Hi and welcome to Word for the Week. This is a new series of reflections that I'm going to do for us here at St Giles. Um, I'm very aware that not everybody can make uh, the services that we have in church at the moment and so I'm missing out on the fellowship and, and the teaching. So this is some way of going towards um, addressing that. We're not able to do the full online services as we were, but this is um, a reflection, a shortened version of the sermon that will be preached each Sunday so you can keep up with what we're doing in church at home. Also home groups can uh, refresh themselves I want the teachers around on Sunday and those who miss a Sunday don't have to miss out on our sermon series. So this week we are beginning a new series looking at the book of Revelation and uh, we begin with Revelation chapter one and rather than me read it for us um, I've got uh, David Suchet to do that today. Revelation chapter one. The revelation from Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Tiatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned round to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, 
I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak to us through your word and give us a desire to live according to your teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to briefly consider three reasons why we should uh, look at the book of Revelation. It's not a book that we preach on often in church. It's a book that I think is a mystery uh, to many, if not all of us. And yet there is still real truth and real value in studying this book. And um, uh, God wants to meet with us through his word. So um, it's important that we look at the book of Revelation. And here's three reasons why Revelation is important for us today. The first is this. It gives us a full picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. The first verse of our reading is this. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. This book is called The Revelation because it is a, a vision or a series of visions that were gifted to the Apostle John. And this tells us um, that there were visions of and visions from the Lord Jesus Christ. That verse can be interpreted two ways. This is a picture of Jesus or a picture from Jesus. Um, perhaps it is both a revelation of, a revelation from our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a vision given to the Apostle John, who was in exile on the Isle of Patmos, a small island in the middle of the Mediterranean, about 100 years um, AD. John is the last of the apostles. I wonder if uh, I asked you to describe the Lord Jesus Christ, how you would describe him. Um, a good shepherd, a faithful teacher, a healer from Galilee, uh, the one who's born in a manger, the one who died, was buried and rose again. I wonder if a few of us would describe the Lord Jesus as gentle Jesus, meek and mild, that uh, Victorian image of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here we see Jesus with eyes like a blazing fire, a voice like the sound of rushing water, whose face shines with the brilliance of the sun. We see a fuller vision of the Lord Jesus through our reading of the book of Revelation. Before John ever arrived on Patmos, he knew about Jesus as a baby, Jesus as a child. He'd read the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke. He was to write the Gospel uh, John. He was to fill out and expound upon the picture of Jesus we see in those other Gospels. It was this John that Jesus asked to take Mary into his home as he was dying on the cross. 
I imagine Mary, the mother of Jesus, telling uh, John the stories of Jesus's childhood and his young adulthood. John had been one of the first to follow Jesus. Um, in his gospel, he shows us the human side of Jesus. Jesus tired, Jesus thirsty, Jesus weeping. He also shows us Jesus raised to life. Um, he was there on the lakeside with Peter. He was there in the upper room with Thomas. So he knew of Jesus the baby. He knew Jesus the child, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus crucified. Jesus risen. But there was more that he needed to know. More that he needed to see, more that he needed to pass on to his churches, more that he needed to record for us. Jesus glorified, Jesus enthroned in power and majesty. And this vision of Jesus challenges him at the deepest level. Verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand upon me and said, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Phil Moore, a Christian author, writes this. We need to grasp that Revelation is as much a book about Jesus as the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Although Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever, he appeared humbly as a man at his incarnation and received glory and power at his ascension. There's a real danger that unless we see Jesus in the pages of Revelation, we will worship him as he walked on the earth yesterday and not as he reigns in heaven today. This revelation, this picture of Jesus, this vision given to the Apostle John, reminds us that the babe in the manger grew up to be the righteous judge who will come to judge the living and the dead. It teaches us that the great healer and teacher from Galilee is God incarnate, the ancient of days made flesh, and he speaks with the authority of heaven and earth behind him. This revelation shows us that the Jesus who was crucified is not just a suffering saviour, but is also a victorious king who holds the keys to death and Hades and who rules with an irresistible strength. So we study the book of Revelation to gain a fuller picture of Jesus, a fuller appreciation of who he is. And we read it as well to remind ourselves that Jesus is on the throne. One scholar tells a story of studying the book of Revelation while he was at theological college as a young man and he's wrestling with it. He's finding it hard to understand, to decipher. And uh, one day he notices one of the janitors, one of the uh, cleaning staff at the same college, sat on a bench reading his Bible. It was a Christian college. And he goes and he asks him what he's reading. And the janitor says, uh, I'm reading the book of Revelation. And the student somewhat uh, um, uh, with some chagrin says, oh, yeah, and, uh, do you understand it? And the janitor says, oh, oh, yes. 
And uh, the student is a bit amazed and he says, uh, really? And uh, what's it mean? And the janitor says, oh, that's easy. Jesus wins. Of course, the janitor is right. And as he becomes a theologian and a Christian scholar, um, the uh, theologian affirms that uh, janitor's first impression those many years ago. Jesus wins. The book of Revelation reminds us that Jesus is on the throne. There is much to decipher in this book. There are Old Testament references uh, that might be unfamiliar to us. There is a symbolism that is familiar to John's uh, readers, but is alien to us. There are allusions to or allusions to historical events and nations that we are unsure of. We can easily get lost in the weeds and miss the central thrust of this book which is that Jesus is now enthroned in heaven. He's seated on the throne at the right hand of the Father. He is in the seat of authority and power. Thrones are important. They're the seat of power. They are the place of rule. In 2 Chronicles 9, verses 17 and 19, we read of King Solomon's throne, the most uh, decadent uh, king of Israel, the one who ruled Israel at the height of its power. He had a throne made of ivory and gold. He sat atop six magnificently decorated steps, his feet resting on a footstool of pure gold. Nobody who came into King Solomon's court could have any doubt who was in charge, who was the ruler. In the New Testament, the word for throne appears 15 times outside of the book of Revelation and within it, 47 times. Time and again, John is given a vision of the throne room of heaven. And the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is seated on the throne, seated in the highest place. Revelation 7 verse 10. And they cried aloud in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. John is reminded And we are reminded with him time and again, God is on the throne. Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus is in charge. He will prevail. Though his will is contested, uh, though events uh, seem to conspire against him, though he has enemies yet to be subdued, ultimately his will will be done and his kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. And this matters. This really matters. This mattered to John on Patmos and it matters to us today. Think of John, the last of the surviving disciples, writing about 95 AD. His compatriots have all been killed. Some of the disciples are crucified, some are beheaded, others die in other ways. 
The church in his day is undergoing wave after wave of persecution. Nero, one of the Roman emperors, uh, will be killing Christians for sport. In the gladiatorums of the empire, they're being torn apart by wild animals. Christians are losing their businesses. They're being thrown out of their homes. Uh, The scriptures are being confiscated and destroyed. And you can imagine John and uh, um, his fellow believers uh, questioning what happened to that vision of Jesus's kingdom that will never be shaken. And then he's gifted a vision. The curtain is pulled back and the heavenly reality is revealed. The Lord Jesus is still on the throne. There's a striking similarity of the vision of heaven that is given to John and the vision which is given to Stephen, the first martyr in the church's history. If you read in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 7, you read the story of Stephen's death. Uh, Dragged before her crowd, um, he's stoned to death. Saul, who will go on to become the Apostle Paul, one of the leaders of the church, has um, orchestrated his death. He stands by watching, holding uh, the coats. And as before we die, before he dies, we um, read this of Stephen. Verses 56 and 57. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. That was the vision he saw before he died and entered into Christ's presence. This heavenly vision sustained him. He was reassured that Jesus was still on the throne, that Jesus was still sovereign, that Jesus was still in charge, even though things in his earthly existence seem to uh, conspire against that. How, do we, how much do we need uh, this vision today? How much do we need to be uh, reassured that Jesus is still sovereign, that Jesus is still Lord? Um, that his will will still be done and his kingdom will still come on earth as it is in heaven. We need to read the book of Revelation because we need a full vision of Jesus, uh, because we need the reassurance that he is still king of kings and lord of lords, that he's still sovereign in our world. We need to be reminded too, of his concern for the church. The book of Revelation shows us Jesus's love and concern for his church. It's not all about what's going on up there, but also what's going on down here. This book begins with John encountering the ascended Christ and that ascended Christ speaks of his concern for his churches. Verse 11. Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia and Laodicea. Jesus speaks to John that John might pass on his words to his churches. 
churches John was familiar with, churches that John would have thought of as his churches. And they're revealed to be not his churches, but the Lord Jesus's churches. And Jesus knows what's happening in his churches. He knows their trials, uh, their tribulations. Uh, He prays for them and he's going to instruct them and encourage them and sometimes to challenge and rebuke them. We're going to begin to explore these messages to the churches uh, next week. But first, let's just remind ourselves of the Lord Jesus's concern for his churches. Uh, Churches in existence 2000 years ago, churches in existence today. There's the imagery of seven stars and seven lampstands. And helpfully, uh, this passage explains what that imagery represents. First of all, the stars, the seven uh, stars. These are the angels, or the word could be translated messengers of the churches. These are those who will convey this message, uh, this vision to those churches could be angelic uh, beings. Uh, more likely, I think, it means the, uh, the pastors or the leaders of those churches, those who will convey John's teaching. The seven lampstands, well, those are the seven churches themselves. Communities of Christians in the cities of the Roman Empire that John is familiar with. As I say, he would have thought of these as his churches. And they are reminded that they are, in fact, Jesus's churches. And this passage shows us Jesus's concern for them and his knowledge of them. Verse 12. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands, in the midst of the lampstands, was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. We see here Jesus in the midst of the lampstands, Jesus in the midst of his church. The ascension has not separated him from his people. Indeed, uh, going into heaven has mean he's been translated to the position of omniscience. He sees everything that happens to his people. I mentioned a few moments ago Stephen's death in the book of Acts. As I said, Saul is the chief uh, persecutor, the orchestrator of the persecution that is going on in the church. Then in Acts chapter 9, Saul himself encounters Jesus on the Damascus road and is blinded by his glory. Acts 9 verse 3. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. We see here the closest possible identification between uh, Jesus and his people. Why do you persecute me, Jesus says. 
not my people, not my church, not my treasured possession, but me. To harm Jesus's people is to harm the Lord Jesus himself. To persecute Jesus's followers is to persecute him. To harm them is to harm him. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Jesus loves his church deeply, loves his church passionately, has the closest possible identification with his people and us with him. To be a Christian is defined in the New Testament as to be literally in Christ. And then look at the words of Jesus to the Apostle John. Do not be afraid. Jesus loves his church and he wants to encourage his church and strengthen his church. And he wants to give them a message of hope and a message that they need not fear because he is as close as he can possibly be to his people and he is seated on the throne. More than this, we are citizens of this same heavenly kingdom when we trust in Christ. We share in the victory of Christ, for we are seated with him in these same heavenly realms, although we don't experience the totality of that just yet. Let me close with these words from the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 2 verse 4. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I pray that in this sermon series on the book of Revelation, we will gain an even greater understanding of who our Lord Jesus is and his love for his church. I pray we'll come to a deeper understanding of what it means that he rules from the throne of grace. And I pray that we would be reminded of his deep love for, him, for us and we would be renewed in our love for him. In the name of Christ. Amen.